0: Hi, my name is Jonathan. I am one of the pastors here at Heights, and we're so glad that you found us online. You know, at Heights, it is our desire to love and lead all people to a new life with Christ. And one of the ways that we strive to do that is by posting weekly content at all of the places, on Facebook and on YouTube, on Instagram. We even have our own website where we're constantly posting things as well. If you're checking us out for the first time, you can go to heightschurch.org connect and let us know that you found us. And once again, we're so glad that you're here. Amen. And so I'm going to ask you in a moment to raise your hand if this is you. And I will let you know that my hand will go up because this is also going to be me. But how many of you struggle with sometimes being told what to do? and then not doing it all right so uh, you know yeah already some of you just shot your hands right up okay there you go i don't really need to explain it out any further right that that's pretty much all of us right you know you go to the doctor you got to go on the diet you got to lose weight you got to cut salt you know maybe somebody at, at school your teachers like you got to do this and you don't we're all people that way we all live with this disconnect of sometimes knowing what to do but not doing it all right and so when we think about our christian lives Why do we do that with God? You know, because it's one thing to do it to the doctor. And when the doctor goes, hey, you need to cut salt. I'm like, I ain't cutting salt. I'm going to eat whatever I want to eat. You know, it's one thing to do that with the doctor, but it's another thing to do it with God. When God in his word says, here's what I want you to do. But then you and I often go, no, I don't really want to do that. You know, we're in a series called CORE. And what we've been looking at is the core values of our church, and a value is simply a belief that you have that leads to an attitude or an action in your life. All right, that's a value. We all have values in our lives. So, for instance, today being Mother's Day, you value your mom, and so you've said Happy Mother's Day. You may call your mom. You take her out to dinner later. You got her a gift, right? Because you value your mom. You've expressed Happy Mother's Day. You've lived that value out, all right? So we talked about values within our church of engaging. We want to be Christians that grow in our faith to help another Christian grow in their faith, all right? That's the value of engaging. Last week talked about the value of serving. We want to serve other people so that they can worship God. We saw that in the passage in Matthew 5, being salt and light, that they see your good works, glorify God in heaven. Well, this morning we're going to talk about this value, that I think this value is one where we go, yeah, I know I'm supposed to do it, but I don't really always do it. All right, and it's the value of sharing. It's what we call evangelism. We're talking to somebody else about Jesus, all right? and for all of us, you know, many of us, we go, yeah, 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 we know that God's called us to do it, but, you know, just like me sometimes, we don't do it. So what I want to talk about in this value of sharing is how do we fix that disconnect? How do we fix the disconnect of knowing that we should do it and versus doing it. How, how do we move into that doing category of living out that value of sharing the gospel with someone else? Because we ought to be people that don't just know the good news of Christ, but share the good news of Jesus. That was, that's what God calls us to do. And so I want you to write this phrase down because I, I believe this will kind of help you in learning to cross the bridge of the disconnect of knowing that you need to share versus sharing. And it's right there on the screen for you. It's this, to stop and think that God is sending you out every day to be a witness for Him. All right? So you may want to screenshot that. You can write that down. But to stop and think of that truth, that God every day is going to send you out to be a witness for Him. All right? So the way I fix the disconnect between knowing that I need to do this versus doing it is to stop and start thinking, wait a minute, no, no, God's sending me out every day to be a witness for him, right? And so when we stop and think about being that person that shares, what you're going to see in Acts chapter 8 are four ways that we can live out being a sent person. So let's pick up in verse 26, because what you're going to see right here is a sent person, somebody that's going to share the gospel, they say yes to God's call. All right, they say yes to God's call. That's the first thing you and I need to do today is to say, you know, God, wherever you're sending me, I'm going to say yes. Wherever you're calling me to do, I'm going to say yes, all right? I'm not going to treat you like I treat the doctor when he tells me to cut the sugars out. And I'm like, uh-huh, yeah, sure. And then I go home and drink the Dr. Pepper, right? That's where I'm not going to do that. I'm going to treat you differently, God. And when you call me to go, I'm going to say yes. So let's pick up in verse 26. It says, now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and he went. Verse 27 says, there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. And he had come to Jerusalem to worship. And and when he was returning, seated in his chariot, he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join his chariot. So I want you to notice that Philip right away said yes to God's call. And you and I need to say yes to God's call. Now, I know I dropped you in the middle of a a chapter. And so let's kind of do a little background of of who this Philip guy is. Because right there in verse 26, we meet Philip. So let me back you up to Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6 is where you meet Philip for the first time. And what's happening in Acts 6 is his church has really been growing and growing in Jerusalem. And then there's uh, when they, you know, distribute bread to the poor and to the widows, there's some folks getting left out. And so the apostles are saying, hey, this is really hard for us to keep up with everything. We need some people to help us. And so the church says, all right, we're going to appoint seven men to be deacons. And in Acts chapter 6, Philip is one of those guys, all right? So he's a deacon, so that means he's a servant. But then also in Acts 6, he says he's a man full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. All right, now I want you to stop and think about that description. A servant full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. I now, mean, I, I think for any of us as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ, isn't that a great way to be known? I mean, for all of us, we should go, hey, yeah, I, I want to be somebody who serves. I want to be full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit, all right? So that's who Philip is. And then what you find in Acts chapter eight is Philip is preaching in Samaria. Okay, so verses five and six in chapter eight talks about him preaching in Samaria. Samaria is a very big area, and what's happening is he's sharing the gospel and he's preaching, and people are getting saved left and right. I mean, the, the, just the gospel is exploding. People are coming to know Christ quickly. I mean, this is just like a major move of God that's happening in Samaria. And then did you notice what God did in verse twenty-six? He Said, hey Philip, I want you to leave Samaria and I want you to go to Gaza. And how did it end in verse 26 in your Bible? Here's how it said in my Bible: This is the desert. Right? So just stop and think about this. Hey, I want you to leave this major city, you leave this ministry where a lot of people are coming to know Christ, and then I want you to go to the desert, to Gaza. No Gaza at this point, just to kind of help you out. Gaza is your last stop before you hit the desert. That's going to lead to Egypt, right? So, for you parents in the room, this is the way you can think about Gaza. Gaza is the last Bucky stop, where you would look at the kids and be like, "Do you have to go to the bathroom? Because this is your shot. Because there's not another Bucky's for 155 miles." So we either pull over here and resupply and stretch our legs and empty our bladders, or it ain't happening for a long time, all right? That's Gaza. That's where he got sent. So God sends him from the multitudes to meet one person. And who's this guy that he meets? Well, verse 27 says he's an Ethiopian eunuch. Now, there's debate on is he like a true eunuch, eunuch, because also the term eunuch can be applied to as a title, and so when you look in Acts 8, verse 27, you see that this is an important guy. He works for the the queen of Ethiopia, for Candace. He's in charge of all the the money, all right? So he's an important guy, but he's from Ethiopia, and this is really important too. Just stay with me on this. The Ethiopia in Acts 8 isn't the Ethiopia today. so the Ethiopian Acts 8 is in the Old Testament. If you read of the area called Cush, it's that. But if you looked at a modern day map, it would be northern Sudan, southern Egypt. All right, so that's the Ethiopia here. But here's what's really cool about this. It's because writers of the day considered Ethiopia the ends of the earth. So let's back up to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, God gives a promise. Christ looks out, and he tells the disciples, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you're going to receive power, and you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and at the ends of the earth. Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes down. Peter stands up in Jerusalem, preaches, shares Christ. 3,000 people get saved. Then over time, the gospel goes to Judea. Then Acts chapter 8, where are we with Philip? We're in Samaria, and now he's about to meet this guy from Ethiopia, not to give away the story for some of you, sorry, but just kind of got kill to the, kill the end right here. And He's going to get saved, and he's going to take the gospel back home to Ethiopia, which is the ends of the earth. Isn't that awesome? That when God makes a promise, promises always come true with God. So you can see how the gospel's spreading. But it's Philip who says, yes, I'll go. I'll leave the multitudes to come to this one that I can meet that's gonna share the gospel, who's gonna get saved, who's gonna take it home to the ends of the earth. This is what we would call a divine appointment. And here's what you and I have to realize in learning to live and bridge that disconnect of knowing we're to be people who share the gospel and actually share the gospel. Is to stop and think that God sends you out every day to be a witness for Him. So what you have to do is learn to say yes to that. God, wherever you're gonna send me today, I'm gonna say yes. I'm gonna look for divine appointments. Now, this is easier for some of you than others because for some of you, you get to go to work every day and you're around lost people, you're around non Christians every day. Or you could walk in the office and say, all right, Lord, what's my divine appointment today? I'm going to look for that. For me, I have to really, you know, figure out ways to get around non-Christians. Because when I come to work every day, who am I around? Christians. I'm around church staff, right? So it'd be a little awkward for me to call Pastor Matt into my office every day and be like, hey, I want to share Christ with you check, I already know them, right? I mean, so I have to strategically find ways to be in the community, to be around people that don't know Jesus, to find those divine appointments, right? So here's one way I work it out. I don't get my hair cut by anyone that's within our church. We have a few church members that, you know, are, are hair stylists for, for a living. I don't go see them. I would recommend them. They're, they're great people. They do great hair. But I already know them. They're church members. So I go to Great Clips in town over there by Wingstop over by the Walmart. That's where I always go to get my hair cut. And here's why I always go to Great Clips. Because when I go in, several of them know me by now and they just call me preacher man. Like, hey, preacher man, how's it going? How's church doing? How's it going? Why? Because every time I go to Great Clips and I'm getting my hair cut, I'm talking about the church. I, I find ways to bring it up. And so it's funny because I had uh, one time, and I've had her a few times now, and, I, and she's a Christian, so we're kind of in on this inside deal. And it was busy one day, and so she's cutting my hair. She's like, so how's church going? I'm like, ah, it's going good, good. What's your preaching on Sunday? I was like, yes. So I don't use my inside voice at that moment. And I start sharing what the sermon's basically about all throughout Great Clips, right? You know, at a volume where people can hear the conversation all around us. And then so every time I go to Great Clips to get my haircut, I'm praying. Lord, is there a divine appointment here? Is there an opportunity to share the gospel? I'm going here. I'm going to say yes. Right. And so one time I went recently and there was a new person there that got to cut my hair. Man, I was so excited. I was like, yes, new person. All right. They don't know who I am yet. You know? And so in that course of conversation, you have to understand, I have really, really, this is truthful. I have one of the only professions in the world, when I tell you what I do, how the conversation can go, all right? It can still go well as a conversation, or it can go sideways real quick, all right? So that, that's my profession. I don't hide it. I know some pastors are always like, oh, like, tell people I'm a pastor. I don't care. I'm a pastor. That's who I tell you I am. Like, I don't hide from that. But I was at a wedding reception one time. Just quick side story, and I'll get back to great clips. hanging there. It's Mother's Day, all right? I'll get you to lunch. Don't worry. Don't panic moms. But I was at a wedding reception once meeting a guy, talking with him. Conversation was going great. I mean, it was, it was going really, really well. I just met this guy and we're standing there talking and, you know, eating our little hors d'oeuvres and stuff. And he goes, well, what do you do? I was like, oh, well, I'm a pastor. He looks at me dead square in the eye and he goes, oh, and he just walks off. I'm like over here in the corner. I'm like, well, all right, I'll finish my shrimp, you know, I'll just keep eating. So I walk into great clubs this time. And so that, that's kind of my world. So for me to meet somebody new in the barber's chair who has sharp objects in their hand, I put my you know I put my life at risk here because I don't know how this is going to go. When I say I'm a pastor, but she's cutting my hair, we're chit-chatting, chit-chatting, and she's like, "What do you do?" It's like I'm a pastor, a pastor down at Heights Baptist Church off Highway 6. She's like, "Oh," she's like, "What do pastors do?" It's like well, you know, that's like the eternal question from everybody. It's like, what do we really do? Some of us only think we work on Sundays. I mean, you know, like. I was like, well, you know what, Here, here's really what, what I'm about, and here's what I do. I try to tell people about this God who created them, who loves them, but then you've sinned against him, and he's separated you from him, but then God so loved you that he sent his only begotten son named Jesus into this world to die on a cross for your sin, that so you can be forgiven of your sin and have heaven as your home for eternity. That, that's, that's what I'm about. That's what I do. And so right there in Great Clips, we got to exchange that. And we got to have that gospel conversation. So what I want you to see is this, that every day where God sends you, whether it's school, out in the supermarket, in homes, and neighborhoods, at work, you got to just step back and say, God, yes, I'm going to say yes to those divine appointments that you're going to set up. But then when you say yes to that and you meet people, here's what else you do is you start where people are. Okay, so we're, we're thinking about how do we bridge the disconnect of knowing that we're to share the gospel and actually share the gospel. You start where they are. Okay, you start where they are. So Philip, he's met this man from Ethiopia. Let's pick up in verse 29. And so the spirit said to Philip, go over and join the chariot. So Philip ran to him, heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And Philip came and sat up and sat with him. And in verse 32, the passage of scripture that the eunuch was reading is this, like sheep that was led to a slaughter, like a lamb before a shearers is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation for this life is taken away from earth? And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this, about himself or about someone else? And so this eunuch is reading Isaiah, the scroll from Isaiah, specifically chapter 53, specifically in verses 7 through 8. And so Philip comes up to him, and he's like, hey, what you reading? (laughs) What you got going on? He's like, well, I'm, I'm reading this scroll from Isaiah, and I don't know who he's talking about. Is he writing about himself or is he writing about somebody else? And notice what Philip does. He just starts where he is in that conversation. right? So we can learn some things about the eunuch. We know that the eunuch had a background. He had just come from Jerusalem. He'd come from worshiping God, right? So he had some knowledge. He's obviously reading Isaiah, which look, you have a Bible in your hand today or an app on your phone. You probably like have five Bibles at your house, but having a scroll at this point, that's hard to come by. So because he's wealthy, because he's educated, he's got a scroll, right? So he knows he's got some knowledge. And then he just goes, So who is he talking about himself or somebody else? And Philip right there from that point starts to share Jesus with them. Now, here's how you learn where people are. When you start sharing Christ with them, you ask them questions. Tell me about your background. Were you raised in church, Did you ever go to church. Tell me about what you believe. We believe about God. We believe about Jesus. Right? So what you're learning to do when you share the gospel is this, you're asking questions to figure out where they are in their background, so you know where to start, right? So if somebody says, ah, you know, I've never been to church in my life, and I don't know anything about God, okay, you start them in creation, all right? I'll take you all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Let me tell you about this God who made you, who you're accountable to, who loves you. Maybe you've got somebody who's got questions, who's got a background, and you can start them there, Right? So stop and think about it this way. And this is really important. I don't know if you want to write this down because this, this really helped me out years ago when I learned this, is think about it this way. Sharing the gospel is having a conversation with someone that's going to lead to a declaration about Jesus, right? So sharing the gospel is not just a presentation you're unloading, right? It's having a conversation that's going to lead to a declaration of Jesus, Let me show you how this kind of works again. Uh, Jeff started coming to our church in Pennsylvania. He was about 24 when he he started coming. And uh, he came several services, several months, got to know him a little bit. Jeff texted me one night and he said, hey, can you come by tomorrow night? I have questions about becoming a Christian. That's a cool text message any day of the week, right? I'm like, yeah, dude, I will be at your house tomorrow night. I'm there. And so get there, sit down at the table with Jeff. And I'm like, hey, man, all right, you've been coming for a while tell me what you believe. Tell me, you know, let, ask your questions. Just I'm just let you start. Tell me, tell me what you believe. And Jeff said, well, you know, I didn't grow up much in church, but, but after listening to you and, and doing some research on my own, he was an engineer, by the way, okay, that's a key point to the story. All right? I've been, been engineering this thing, been researching on my own, been thinking, here's what I believe, that God made me that I've sinned against him. I'm separated from God. God sent Jesus. All my sin went on Jesus. Jesus died for my sin. They put him in a tomb. Three days later, he rose again. And if I accept Jesus as my savior, then I've forgiven of my sin and I have new life with him and life for all of eternity. That's what I believe. I'm like, why am I here? Like, I mean, like, I just looked at him. I was like, you, you nailed it. What, what's, what's wrong? <laughs> like, like for a person that's not a Christian, that was like better than what I hear some from other Christians. Like, how, wow. Like, what's going on? He goes, I just got one question. Like, well, sure. What, what's your question? He goes, so how do I start this relationship thing? Like, I, I know what I believe, but like, how do I become a Christian? And here's what threw me for a moment. I was thinking, I didn't get to do my presentation. <laughs> like, come on, Jeff. I got a, I got a lot of cool ways to share the gospel, man. I use napkins. I use salt and pepper shakers. Like, I can share the gospel through all kinds of different ways. I don't get to do my presentation. And so I, I kind of like, well, wait a minute. Have you thought about this? Have you thought about this? He's like, Yeah, I'm I'm totally ready. Just, how do I start? I'm like, well. Here's how you start. The Bible says in Romans ten thirteen, you call out on the name of the Lord, you pray, you let him know what's on your heart and you know, there you go. I mean, like it's, he goes, okay, can we do that? Well, yeah, sure. You know, like, you know, and so I get in the car later, I'm like, Holy Spirit, I don't feel like I really did anything tonight, but show up. You know? And that's Philip in the text in a lot of ways. I feel like Philip goes, oh, I just showed up and this guy's ready. So sometimes you're going to get somebody who knows nothing, and we start creation. Sometimes you're going to get somebody who's got a lot of background, and you learn to ask those questions to see where the gaps need to be, and then sometimes you're going to get a Jeff who's just already there, and you're just there to help him take those final steps. But here's the key. You start where they are. You just start where they are by learning to ask those questions, and when you have that conversation, it's going to lead to an opportunity to have a declaration, and that's where we share Jesus with them. That's where we share Christ with them. I want you to pick up in verse 35. It says, then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, okay, so beginning with Isaiah 53, he told him the good news about Jesus, you know, there's a lot of things we share with people that aren't Christians. A lot of times they may come up to you and they, they tell you something that's going on in their life. And you're like, you know what? I'm going to pray for you. And praying for somebody, that's good. You know, you may see a, a friend that's hurting and they need a meal and you take them a meal. Man, that's awesome to serve people that don't know Christ. And they just need a friend to talk to and you sit down and talk to them. And that's great to be that friend. That, that's wonderful. You know, the one thing we have failed to share out of all those good things, it's the best thing. It's Jesus. That's what Philip did. He just simply started sharing Christ with them. And I just want to break down just for a moment, some misconceptions that are out there about non-Christians. You know, Lifeway Research did a a survey uh, that came out last year that pulled about 10,000 non-Christians. And listen to a couple of these stats. Out of that survey... 32% of non-Christians that were surveyed said since 2020, since COVID, they are more interested in spiritual things than they were before COVID. Just stop and think about that, So since COVID, where you had a lot of suffering, you had a lot of division, you had a lot of all these things that happen in our world, what's happening with people that aren't Christians? They're asking questions. They want to know what's going on. 60% of non-Christians surveyed said that their Christian friends rarely talk to them about their faith. This one blew me away. 66% of those surveyed, 66% of non christians surveyed, said that they are open to have a conversation with somebody about spiritual matters. What do you have right now? You have a culture that is very spiritual. Are they Christian as a culture? No but they're spiritual. They're asking spiritual questions. What is truth? What is right? What is wrong? Is there a God? Is there evolution? There are all these things they're asking. They're searching for hope right now in a world of chaos. Can we have peace in chaos? Can we have peace in division? Can we have truth in this world? So no matter what your cabled news TV shows or you see on Facebook, it's not true these people want to know Christ. They want to talk. So when you're sitting in the chair and they're cutting your hair, guess what they want to do? They want to talk. Often they want to talk about spiritual things. So have that conversation with them that's going to lead to an opportunity to make a declaration of Jesus. And then finally, show them what obedience looks like. All right, I want you to show them what obedience looks like. Let's pick up again in verse uh, 36 in chapter 8 says, as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here's water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down in the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized them. And when they came out of the water, the spirit carried Philip away. And the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. Right, I love this part because Philip starts in Isaiah brings them all the way up to Jesus. And in that conversation, talk to them about baptism. All right. Now, baptism is not what saves you. That's what Jesus does. When you place your faith and trust in Christ and Christ alone, the Bible says you're saved. But baptism is a step of obedience to show that you're a believer in Jesus. All right. So the way we baptize here is we put you under the water and we bring you right back up. Okay. And I stress the point of right back up. All right. We don't hold you long. Okay. Unless you know you make me mad. No, I'm just kidding. Just it's okay. Look to your neighbor and say it's Mother's Day. He's trying to be nice, but like he, you, we bring you quickly right back up. But why we do that is because it shows a picture of here's the old you. Now you've died with Christ. You're buried in a watery tomb. You can't live in a tomb. You can't live in that grave. But now you need new life, and now that new life comes with Jesus. This is the new you. So you're painting that picture of the death burial and resurrection of Jesus. And so that's an important step. So in that conversation about Christ, Philip talks to him about baptism. And maybe this morning that's your step when you say yes to God's call of being baptized as a believer in Jesus. You know, when you stop and think about it, here's what God does. He does it with Philip. He does it with you. He does it with me. He just says, I'm going to send you out just to be, you know, a, a witness for me in everyday life. And this is probably the part of the message, unless you've already had this in your head, this is the part of the message where you go, I don't know about that, right? You might have already reached that conclusion earlier, but for some of you right now, you're like, I don't know about sharing my faith. They're going to ask me questions that I don't know the answers to. I'm shy, you know, I don't know enough. I'm going to say the wrong thing. Like th- this is probably the part where some of you are, or you were already that way about five minutes ago. So let me just give you a statement that really helped me out uh, earlier in life that somebody said this to me. It really just kind of stuck. And it's this, if you know enough of the gospel to be saved, you know enough of the gospel to share. So that means this, if you sitting here right here today, Say, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. And you know enough of that gospel to say, yes, I'm a believer. Then you know enough to share. What you have to decide is this. Am I gonna say yes to God's call? Am I gonna learn to just start where people are? Am I gonna share Jesus and show them what obedience is like? Are you gonna take the step to end that disconnect of knowing what to do and actually doing it? Some of you... May know Edward Kimball, but many of you may not, but you probably have heard of D.L. Moody. See, Edward Kimball, back in 1854, walked into a shoe store, and the person working and owning that shoe store was D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody was 18 years old at the time. Edward Kimball was a Sunday school teacher, he taught the young adult class in his Sunday school. And he had been praying for an opportunity just to meet someone and share the gospel with and invite him to a Sunday school class. So in that day walks Edward Kimball in D.L. Moody's Sunday school class. And so Edward Kimball says, hey, I teach Sunday school class, you know, down the street at a church, I wanna invite you. So D.L. Moody starts going to the Sunday school class and very soon he hears the gospel from Edward Kimball and he gets saved. Well, short period of time after that, D.L. Moody fills a call to go into ministry, and he answers that call. He says, yes, I'm going to be a pastor. And so he starts pastoring a church in Chicago that's now known as Moody Church. Then some years after that, he opens what's called Moody Bible Institute. Then some years after that, he becomes an evangelist where he travels throughout Europe, travels all around the United States, writes all kinds of books that are still being read today. And so by the time D.L. Moody dies in 1899, his ministry had reached countless numbers of people hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people, where the works of D.L. Moody are still being felt today in this year. Why? Because of a man you can trace it all back to named Edward Kimball, Sunday school teacher, who woke up one day and said, Lord, are there any divine appointments out there for me? And God said, go to this shoe store. Okay, I'll start where he is. Hey, D.L., I want you to come to my class. And he learned him, shared the gospel with them, And he shared Jesus with them. And then he showed him what obedience looked like. And you can trace this huge ministry that D.L. Moody had all back to the obedience of an Edward Kimball. You know what God wants? just want you to be like an Edward Kimball. Just say, yes. He's going to send you out tomorrow, wherever you're going to go. And tomorrow I challenge you to say, Lord, I'm going to say yes to any divine appointments. I'm going to start where that person is. I'm going to share Jesus with them. I'm going to show them what obedience looks like. You know, so here at Heights, what we encourage you to do in that is to have what's called a four-by-four plan. And our four-by-four plan is this, where you say, all right, I want to find four friends that don't know Christ. We'll pray for them. I'm gonna invite them. We'll share with them. Today, there are some around you because some in first service may have been sitting where you are and already took it, so you may need to reach over and grab one. But you can have these. These are out there for you to take. They're called the best news card. And on the back of that card is a simple gospel presentation. And so maybe there's somebody in your life it's a child, it's a grandchild, it's a friend, a neighbor, a coworker, whoever it is that you wanna take this card. And you wanna say, Lord, the opportunity to rise itself, I'm going to share this with them, all right? You can take that card home with you, but I invite you this morning, too, with that card in your hand, maybe to stop and think about that person you can share it with, but maybe today it's you who needs to say yes to God's salvation, to say yes to the offer of being saved through the person and work of Jesus, and you can just look at that gospel presentation, and maybe you, like Jeff, go, man, I'm ready to start a relationship with Christ. I know I need salvation. And there's a prayer right there you can pray in a moment. We're going to have a time where you can respond and come and talk to somebody. And we'll be happy to help you take that step of faith. So let's just bow in prayer right where we are. We live in a world that is filled with bad news. But there's good news in the Bible. The good news in the Bible is that Christ Jesus came into this world died on the cross for my sin, your sin. When they put him in a tomb, three days later, he came back to life, just as he said over and over in the New Testament that he would rise again. And when Jesus came out of the grave, he was able to beat death, to beat sin, to beat Satan, and to beat hell on your behalf and my behalf. But the Bible calls us to do something with that news, not just to hear it, not even just to say it's good, but to embrace it, to believe in it. And when you place your faith and your trust in Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life, then the Bible says you're saved. You are saved from the penalty of your sin, which is hell. You are saved from the power of sin in your life. And one day when you die, God will take you to heaven and you will be saved from the presence of sin for all of eternity. You know, our mission here at Heights is to get that good news out. We say that we want to love people and lead them to a new life with Christ. And I want to give you an opportunity right now to place your faith, your trust in Jesus, to have your sins forgiven for everything you have done that you will do in your life. Jesus can forgive you. And so the way that we communicate with God is through prayer. And just right where you are, if you're ready today to start a relationship with Christ, you can pray along with me. And let's pray together. Dear God, I know I need Jesus, and I'm ready to place my faith and trust in Him. Thank you, Lord, for saving me through the work of Jesus. Amen. You know, friend, if you have prayed that prayer today, we'd love to connect with you. You know, the Bible says the next step of faith is baptism. And baptism does not save you. That's what Jesus does. But baptism shows that you're a believer. It declares you're a believer. You know, I have a wedding ring on on my hand here and and that wedding ring doesn't make me married, it shows I'm married. And that's what baptism is about in the life of the believer in Jesus Christ, to proclaim that you now believe in Jesus in your life. And so we'd love to know if you've prayed along with us to start a relationship with Christ, if you need to be baptized as a believer, or if you have prayer requests. And what you can do is go to heightschurch.org slash connect, heightschurch.org slash connect. We'd love to be able to connect with you there. I want to thank you so much for watching today's message. We'd love to see you in person if you're able to make it here on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. or 1030 a.m. Or watch us online at 9 a.m. or 1030 a.m. at our Heights YouTube page or our Heights Facebook page. So again, until next time, I hope you have a great week and God bless.